now we have a little bit more perspective. So go ahead. <laughs> That's it. You go ahead. You have our blessing. Go ahead to buy some buildings. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. So we have uh, what is this? A relapse, I guess. A real, yeah, I know. <laughs> a relapse. Thanks, thanks for having me back. Sell is back. Hey. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about pressures on the housing market. What's going on in Quebec, in Canada, and uh, what uh, do we see in our crystal ball? for the upcoming years in terms of how it affects us as real estate investors. Axel, do you want to maybe kick off the ball of how we started this whole conversation? This whole conversation? Yeah. So um, as some of you might have seen, in um, there was an article in the paper last week saying that according to the CMHC, which is a very reliable source, um, that it was expected in the Montreal region for rents to increase 30% in the next three years. And so I see this as a as a red for good news. But what's really important to understand is the economic reasons for those, uh, for those, I was gonna say assumptions, for this forecast. And so this is when we started to talk about it with, uh, with Terry in terms of, well, what's happening right now out there on the market when it comes to immigration, when it comes to financing, when it comes to mise en chantier, new project, uh, construction starts, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And so, I mean, the other thing that's kind of interesting is like we're also, you know, just chit-chatting around the office about like the last uh, year of volatility, right? Like we're all trying to figure out what's happening with the value of our investments. At what price should we do be doing our deals? What's happening with the cost of borrowing? What's happening with the cost of purchasing? Um, you know, the statistics that have been bandied around is that um, the Montreal market on certain segments of residential, so like apartment, you know, there's been a 15, I would say 10 to 15% decrease in price from the crazy height of the market. Um, we were then arguing a little bit about exactly on what kind of projects that um, decrease has manifested itself. But like ultimately that when we're trying to project out into the future, what's going to happen, should we be worried or should we be optimistic? And that's when we get into a little bit of the, you know, economic and political data of what's going on. So is, is there, were there some th points that you found interesting, Axel, that you think will affect What's going on? Well, before I get into that, I just want to go back on, on what you said of like, I just want to remind everyone, remember like mid 2022 when people were saying, oh my God, it's going to be a big recession and the prices are going to fall and you should expect like a 30% decrease and this and that. And I've always been fairly optimistic, as you know, uh, and at the same time, um, I'm trying to be realistic. And has there been a price decrease? Yes. But people always amalgamate all of real estate into one bundle. And there's so many different markets. Like if you look at single family homes, do you look at rental properties? Do you look at chalets? Do you look at just land? Do you look at industrial, commercial, so on and so forth? So we're going to stick to kind of what we know, which is residential. Is that, is yeah. that fair? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think that's wise. That's, yeah. <laughs> Let's stick to that. The crystal ball is good, but it should only be within your domain of expertise. Well said. <laughs> and so really like... And I don't have the exact stats in front of me. There's, there might have been a, a slight bigger decrease in terms of price on single family homes. Yes. And there's kind of a logical reason for that. Whereas it seems like on rental properties, there was a bit of a decrease, but, you know, it'd be interesting. And also, like, on what size of building? Are we talking like 
three to six, uh, we start talking six to 18, 18 to 24, like, and all that. But when we look at the price per door, it seems like there is a bit of a stabilization, maybe a slight decrease, and now it's coming back up. So, and I'm talking like throughout Quebec. So there's obviously differences in markets between uh, Trois-Rivières, Montreal, and uh, Trois-Pistoles. Uh, yes, for sure. But I find I find it's important to remember that we didn't see the the prices fall like some people were predicting. Yeah, but Axel, I like without, um, you know, when you're sitting on the other side of, you know, uh, some events like post majorly un- destabilizing events, like mm-hmm. there's, you know, a lot was a lot of volatility and a lot of uncertainty with, yeah. um, you know, how post COVID was going to evolve, what was going to happen with China, are they going to come out of lockdowns, what's going to happen with our supply chains, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're not Ukraine beyond. Uh, there being conflict in the Pacific, which could have its own consequences on various different things. The Fed is now looking at increasing interest rates again, bank fragilities. Um, you know, like I, I, I would stand by my concern of a year ago and not be like, oh, well, we should have just known it wasn't a big deal. No, like I think we're going through a, you know, once in a hundred year event with COVID and what what the government did to the economy and to understand how is that going to be unwound in Canada, which is already like this with real estate debt, you know, I don't think we're at the end of the unwinding. But let's get to some of the like little, little research that we did, um, which has to do with so like what are the price pressures on rental properties? So we have on one hand interest rates, right? So the cost of borrowing determines how much we pay for stuff because if you have to your debt service suddenly goes out, goes up, um, the price goes up. Cost of construction. Um, if your materials and your labor gets expensive, then to build is very difficult. And then there is also supply and demand of existing structures. And then there's population growth or shrinkage. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we kind of go through like each of those factors and, and you know, say what we think, we don't know, you know, the cost of borrowing is somewhat more stable now. So like we're going to, we are just assuming that we're going to do our projections with a 5% horizon for the next foreseeable future. And we'll see how that goes. Right. Yeah, fair. Um, as far as construction costs and, and you know, availability of, of work, I think you're probably the one who knows more about that than I do. I mean, I know my handyman is easier to get hold of now than he was a year ago, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not mad managing any major yeah. construction projects. So what's your feeling of how the construction industry is doing? Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Well, it's actually an interesting. So, for for our big uh, project in in Saint Jerome, I had started to approach uh, general contractors in the fall of 2022, and at the time, they you know they were interested. But what I saw is that over time, more and more starting to call back to be like, "Hey, I really want to bid." Yeah, hey, I, interested. I, they're they're more interested. Whereas 21, even 22, like it was difficult for even to get someone to call you back, and now they're the ones calling us clients to say, "Hey, I'd love to be involved." So. It seemed like there was, I, I, back in like mid 2022, a lot of them were booked until mid 2023 or even end of the year. Maybe some of the projects have stopped, and so now they have to advance their their um, 
another new timeline, but like they're looking for work now. And, and then there's a little bit more availability from, from trades, that's for sure. And then also on the price of material, price of material is a very general term. Uh, for example, the price of wood is back down to pre-COVID prices, uh, but there's still a lot of inputs, materials that are, are still a lot more expensive. Um, because of metal prices, because it's usually, I find it's usually the, the higher value add products have increased and they're not really going back down. Whereas the lower end, let's say wood and, and maybe certain other raw materials have gone back down and it makes sense. There's less demand now. So naturally their price goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, now other pressures, as you said, like we started to talk a little bit about immigration. Well, let's, let's just finish with construction okay. first. I construction. think like, um, you know, one of the, you know, as we were like doing the research leading up to this episode, like one of the, um, statistics I was able to find had to do with um, the uh, CCQ construction hours worked. And uh, what we discovered is that in 2022, there was like an all time high uh, of construction people and how many hours they did. So I think it was like 210 million hours across Quebec. And they're projecting that in 2023, that should come down 3% to like around 200,000 hours, 200 million hours worked by construction trades. So that shows that like, we're out of the boom. Um, as far as like our labor costs going to come down or have we just reset at a higher rate the way we've done a bit with interest? I mean, you know, we're going to have to watch that in the future. But when you look at the inflationary pressures, um, I don't see how like those prices are going to come down because you can't start paying your guys less because all of a sudden their shopping baskets and, you know, their tank of gas and their cars are so expensive. So it's not like you can just, you know, drop labor costs back to what they were. Maybe overall, as there's less demand in the industry, um, people will be working less hours and that will sort of take care of itself. But I don't think there's going to be like a decrease in salaries. No. And people are just going to exit that market, but price is still going to stay stable. Yeah. Um, So then if we move on to the next uh, aspect, right? So we we talked a little bit about um, borrowing costs, uh, construction, um, and now like, you know, immigration. uh, if If we talk about like the supply pressure on um, rental housing. And to me, if you're looking for a positive, uh, a silver lining or something that should give us investors hope, it's uh, the crazy immigration statistics. So we were kind of just going back a little bit uh, off camera before about exactly how many immigrants Canada let in in, in 2022. And I read an article that uh, mentioned there was a million uh, immigrants that came into Canada in 2022. What percentage of those came to Quebec? I admit I didn't look that up. I don't know. Um, but Canada is looking at at adding 500,000 immigrants, you know, a year for the next foreseeable future, and of which 70,000 are slated to come to Quebec, which is a rise of about 20,000 over the early 2000s. So, like we just looked up the the statistics, Quebec was letting in around 50,000 immigrants, and that's now moving moved up to 70,000. If you're in the Montreal market where realistically most of those people are going to go, I mean, that's putting some significant pressure on rental housing stock, considering that we're not building as much. No, no, that's the thing. There, there is an increase in demand and there is a drop in supply. So mechanic, yeah, mechanically, um, rents have to have to increase and it's going to take a significant amount of time to be able to catch up because remember that to start a construction project, it takes and actually add that unit on the market, it takes two years. So everything that we stop now, we're really going to feel it in a year or two for all the housing that wasn't started and that wasn't built. And then when the machine restarts, there's going to be a huge time lag to actually make a dent 
and offer new units uh, for for immigrants. So it's not surprising that the CMHC is now saying that over the next three years, it's predicted that in the Montreal region, rents would go up 30%. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, that's not rent control units because you're never going to see the towel put the rent increases at 30%. <laughs> in a three-year period. A, even still. Even, even still. still. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. So, I mean, I think, you know, for us uh, investors who already have a certain uh, portfolio or who are looking at should we buy, acquire more assets at a somewhat slightly depressed price in a somewhat slightly less aggressive environment today. If I look, if I'm trying to read the tea leaves, um, it looks like even though I might be cash flow neutral or things might not make money right away because of the cost of borrowing, like as I look into the five-year future, it's the prognostics are pretty good. Yeah. And unless you have another opinion. No, the, I think the perspective is great. And also what does that mean is that there is, to me, at least there's a huge part of opportunity for those who have existing buildings. If it, new construction is a whole other area, but if you currently have buildings, maybe now is also the time to start to improve them, uh, renovate them, because we really need it. Like when we look at the average Montreal apartment, I'm sorry to say, I find it's in poor shape. Well, like, but I mean, that's a that's a, a hornet's nest, right? Like you, you know, I, am I gonna renovate $600 units uh, to put my tenant back into them with a $200 increase? No, I'm not gonna do that, right? No. So it's, that then turns into a, a conversation of like, how do you, you know, how does one address that problem? Because if you have a rent control environment, the rent control units are not increasing by 30%. And no. what is justified in terms of, from a business standpoint, right? Like what is justified in terms of investing in those units? Ultimately, the buildings, want, you want to want to maintain them because that asset is going to go up. But the question of the units themselves, I, you know. Yeah. No, you, you, kind of a case by case. You'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd rather redo some some roofs and some windows and some insulation instead of redoing flooring and kitchen counters. Unless there's tenant turnover. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do we have uh, anything else to add to our uh, prognostications other than cautious optimism? Cautious optimism. I like it. For some reason, I'm just generally optimistic. Um, it's gonna. It's all gonna turn out well. And the beautiful thing about real estate is that it forgives over time if you make mistakes. Yeah, I can't. I'm definitely not as optimistic as you are. <laughs> okay, what's in general? What's scaring you? No, no. I mean, like it depends. I think that um, you know, optimism or pessimism or uncertainty is warranted by the information that we have at a certain point in time, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that this moment, if we just you know think about what we talked about in the podcast today, is a moment for cautious optimism. Yeah. One year ago, I was not trumpeting cautious optimism, and uh, you know, uh, I'm not a, a, a embarrassed to admit that I took almost a year or eight months off of uh, acquiring new properties because I was so uncertain about what was going to happen on a global scale. Like obviously Canada has its place within that, but when you don't know what's happening with the cost of borrowing across the globe in general, are we going to have mm -hmm. banking meltdowns and like God knows what else? Um, that's a moment when I think, okay, let me stabilize what's going on and uh, not uh, cover my eyes and, 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 you know, be optimistic when to me the data is not warranting that. No, absolutely. And 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 from from a year ago, yeah, a lot of a lot of us went on pause and just took it down and just didn't really buy, didn't really renovate and uh because there was a lot of uncertainty and we weren't sure what was going to happen, but it seems like now we have a little bit more perspective, so go ahead. <laughs> that's it. You go ahead, you have our blessing go ahead. to buy some buildings. And I think that's a pretty good place to stop. 
For sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you found this interesting, useful, or entertaining, go ahead, share it with your friends, subscribe. You know what you got to do. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.